News Network. When nostalgia is memories of restaurants, concerts, walks on the mall. When the good old days include being able to sneeze at Home Depot. When breathing free is a crime against humanity. You need a real leader. One who's focused on the truth. And his name is Dan Newman. That's me and you're here. We're here together today on Thursday at TNN Live. Thank you, folks, for joining us here today, and thank you for joining us every day. It's been a real honor for us to serve you in the way of joining together to find facts about lots of things in our life, not just politics, not just about our government, but about, you know, life in general. And sometimes we do get a bit distracted here, and we get caught up in all the noise, and uh, of course, those are noises about some really important issues that we certainly feel that we need to weigh in on. And we're told by those of you who are interactive with us in various ways at TNN Live and Truth News Network, what those things are that are important to you. Don't stop telling us that. Feel free to give us a call anytime during this show at toll-free 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-378. 7884. And if you'd rather not do it on the phone, on the air, that's okay. Still reach out to us. You can always email me at dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Well, one thing we cannot not talk about today, it's Veterans Day. And we could spend the entire show talking about those who are serving the nation and serving us in our military, standing in harm's way and um, doing it voluntarily. Do you do you re- realize that everybody that serves in the American military chooses that obligation? It's not an obligation that is legal. They're not nobody's required. We have no conscription program. We have no draft in our U.S. military today. I think the last time we did was in Vietnam. Um, People are serving. People are putting their lives in harm's way for all of the rest of us and doing so voluntarily. You know, what's the Bible say about that? Greater love hath no man than to willingly lay down his life for a friend. That's a tall thing to think that these men and women are doing just that when they raise that hand and swear an oath to the nation and to the military to serve and protect us, just like police officers. I feel the same way about those in our law enforcement at every level here in the United States. But you know, when we talk about these days, the two in particular that come to mind are today, Veterans Day, and of course Memorial Day. On that day, we honor those that gave their lives in military service for us. Somebody typically gets left out the conversation and we start honoring those people, family members, family members, specifically somebody that I was thinking of this morning, um, that early morning prayer meeting I go to, one of the leaders with me is Bruce Ewing. And he served for many, many years in the military, overseas, domestically in the United States. His wife, Val, she was sitting out in the audience this morning, and I basically spoke to her on microphone and thanked her for her service. It's a great sacrifice, not just for those who choose to serve, but their 
family members as well, especially the spouses. So what I wanted to do this morning, instead of doing the normal and the expected thing, playing the Star Spangled Banner in honor of these military members and family members, or uh, God Bless the USA, Lee Greenwood song, I wanted to play a song that is, the words are written at the slant of spouses, specifically in the case of this one song, about the wives. And while we're listening to this, it's three minutes, it's definitely worth listening to. I want you to think about military active members and their spouses that God left behind. coming from my eyes I don't want to think about after this fire goes out the sun coming into this house you getting up off of this couch so baby let's pour a little more wine let's lose ourselves for a Night before 
leaving their spouses going overseas in many cases to actually be in harm's way for us. We very seldom think about those spouses, those wives and those husbands whose wife and husband leave their families, leave their country to go defend us. Actually put themselves in the way of having to make that life or death decision. And those decisions they make personally sometimes end in death. They never impact just one person. They never impact just two. Whole families are changed for generations to come. And so I say thank you. Thank you to all of those of you who have not only gone, but you've been willing to give your spouse to possibly go and die for you and for us. Thank you for that sacrifice and thank you for honoring a commitment to the United States of America. Say what you want to say, folks, but this is still the greatest country on planet Earth. Now, I can't help, I can't help talking about that and listening to that. I can't help but think about some of the insanity that is going on still today regarding Afghanistan. It just blows my mind, folks, that there are still Americans. There are still Americans who are stuck in Afghanistan more than two months after the chaotic and the fumbled U.S. pullout from Afghanistan. Scores of American families are still stuck living under this new Taliban regime. So guess what? Our Defense Department has announced new measures to assist its personnel with getting their family members out of Afghanistan and back into the U.S. Under Secretary of Defense for Policy, Colin Cowell issued a memo yesterday asking staff members who have spouses or unmarried children under the age of 21 who want to leave Afghanistan to contact his office. Two months, two months after our withdrawal, and this, hey, if you got somebody over there that wants to get out, hey, give them my phone number and ask them to give me a call. Does that sound like leadership? Does that sound like a president of the United States who really gives a rip? In fact, we are told that in the Biden White House, in his administration, It's prohibited in front of the president to even mention Afghanistan. He wants to put it behind him, and I understand why he does. He made horrible mistakes, and we're still paying for those horrible mistakes. Did you hear, were you here yesterday, when we played a soundbite of the president himself from 2007, talking about this very thing, talking about leaving the U.S. military leaving Afghanistan. Yeah, it was front and center even back in 2007. I think what I'm going to do while we're listening to a Pentagon spokesman from late yesterday talking about this very thing, answering a question about this very thing, I'm going to go dig that that, uh, audio soundbite of President Biden from 2007. But here's Pentagon Admiral Press Spokesman Kirby answering questions 
about the fact that two months later, we still have Americans that are behind enemy lines. What the Pentagon is doing about it or what the Pentagon is going to do about it. Here's Admiral Kirby. John, can you please update us on the the number of uh, immediate family members of U.S. service members in Afghanistan? Uh, Update you in the number? I don't have a whole number on that, no. Okay, so, I mean, the withdrawal ended on August 30th. And it's today is November uh, 10th. I mean, how is it possible that, that the department doesn't know how many immediate family members are still left? I didn't, say, in I didn't say we didn't know. I said I don't have a number for you. We believe it's uh, certainly uh, most likely in the dozens. Uh, but one of the reasons we put the memo out last week was to encourage service members to come forward. It's a dynamic thing, Fadi. I mean, you make it sound like a snap on a chalk sure. line and boom, you got to know all the, you got to know every number. Billions of dollars of American citizens in Afghanistan continue to come forward because maybe they've changed their mind. Maybe they didn't want out by August 30th, and maybe now they do. And so the number has, has changed a little bit. Um, we're working this as hard as we can. We take the obligation seriously to our people and to their families. And, we're, and that's why we put the advisory out to the services last week to give them a place, a portal, where they can go to put information on, on there that we can then share with our State Department colleagues to get them out. We're going to stay at this. I've said it before, but I think it bears repeating. The military mission in Afghanistan is over. But the mission itself to continue to, to get uh, our people out, out of Afghanistan and back home or, or to their new homes in the United States is not over. And we're going to continue to work inside the interagency to do that. I understand uh, and appreciate all, all of that. But the question remains, these are, these are immediate family members of U.S. service members in Afghanistan. While many Afghans who have no relatives in the U.S. were evacuated a long time ago, the department up until last week did not issue a memo or consider it this issue. I mean, don't you think it's that doesn't it's mean late t- in the process? So you shouldn't, you, don't you think this should have been a priority to begin with? It because was a priority. Fadi, let me answer your question, yeah. please. No, no, I'm just trying to explain. I, I know that. I get it. But we did take it as a serious priority. We did take it as a serious priority. I got to be honest with you, folks. This administration and those that serve in it, and I understand Lloyd Austin, former General Lloyd Austin, is the Secretary of Defense. This is Admiral Kirby, who is just a spokesperson for the Pentagon. Lloyd Austin, he runs the Pentagon, or he's the guy that is charged with that responsibility. Whether or not he's running it remains to be seen. But nevertheless, Kirby is trying to do two things, answer questions, but maybe more importantly is um, (laughs) protect his boss. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, It's a bad situation over there. There is no question. And some bad decisions were made. Bunches of bad decisions were made. Now, who made them? Obviously, as Joe Biden has told us from the beginning, He is the guy where the buck stops. And so every problem in his administration, according to what he said when he was campaigning and also in discussions now after the fact regarding what's happened and is still happening in Afghanistan, it was a politically correct thing to say that the buck stops here. But then put it in the perspective of what we hear every day out of this president and the vice president when she ever speaks 
anywhere in the United States. She's hardly ever here. Did you hear about her fake accent yesterday in France? I mean, she's not even good at faking that. I can't imagine what would happen if Kamala Harris would ever become the president of the United States. i got to be honest with you. I can't believe what's happening as VP. That's a story for another day. I'm just pointing out Joe Biden is not, has not, and does not take responsibility for the lives that have already been lost in Afghanistan because of his horrible decisions and choices. And folks, he even laid out a bit of a plan back in 2007 when he was vice president under Barack Obama when he was asked in a news town hall meeting get-together what should happen, why, when are we going to withdraw from Afghanistan? I want you to listen to then Vice President Joe Biden talk about that exact thing and what we had to do, what we should never not do if and when we pull out our military from Afghanistan. Here's Vice President Joe Biden. There's a lot at stake in how we end this war. It makes a big difference how we end this war. And it makes a big difference to tell the American people the truth about what our options are in ending this war. If tomorrow the order goes out from the president, I'm president of the United States, I issue an order, end the war today, begin to withdraw all American troops. It will take a year to get the American troops out. Do you hear me now? That's the truth. It will take a year to get them physically out. Now, if you leave all the equipment behind, you might be able to do it in seven months. And you leave those billions of dollars of weapons behind, I promise they're going to be used against your grandchild and mine someday. Can you believe he said that back in 2007? Now, I get it. He does have cognitive decline, no question about it. What level and what stage it's in, we don't know. We get no information about the president's health. We have no idea if he's taken physicals, if he's been tested or anything. They don't tell us anything. Of course, you remember the uproar about Donald Trump beginning even before he took office about his health care and his health conditions because he was extremely obese. (laughs) This guy can't even put two sentences together very well. And you heard exactly what he said. He even prophesied from 2007 what is happening now. After he left all of that military equipment and walked away from it, they tell us it's $82 billion worth of military hardware and technology. $82 million. What if it's only $40 billion, folks? And did you hear the second part of his prophecy? I mean, this, folks, when I heard this, it just frosted me. Here's the second part again in case you missed it. And you leave those billions of dollars of weapons behind, I promise they're going to be used against your grandchild and mine someday. Uh, he left it. (laughs) He left it. And folks, some of it has already been used. Do you know that those 13 Americans that were blown up at the gate at the airport, you know what they were blown up with? Syntex. Syntex, which is a highly, highly combustible uh, weapon 
that's used to make bombs and all kinds of other incendiary devices. And that batch of Syntex was ours. It came from that military hardware that he instructed our military leaders to leave at Bagram Air Base. Just leave it all. So 13 Americans gave their lives for a Biden stupid decision. If you're somebody that's already in the military, or if you're somebody that has been long time, been thinking about when you come of age, you want to go serve the nation in the military, I got to be honest with you. If I was you right now, I would think twice before I would ever make a decision to get in this military right now. And I've never said that before in my life. I, before I found out I had medical conditions, only had one kidney, I had an appointment or a congressman from South Louisiana that represented the district my parents and I lived in that was going to get me an appointment to a military academy. One of the Navy, but when they give military academy appointments, you don't know which one you're going to get it for. And then I couldn't accept it because they found out I had one kidney. I wasn't eligible to serve in the military. I have a lot of respect and honor for the military. My father served in the military. My older brother served in the military. We're a military family. A lot of respect. But you don't just talk respect, folks. You respect by what you say that you live out in your life, in your leadership, especially if you're a president of the United States. Folks, people have died because of Joe Biden. And I'm not talking about people that are vaccine resistant. We're going to get into that a little bit of that this morning. But I'm talking about people that died in Afghanistan unnecessarily, and it wasn't just Americans. Folks, hundreds of Afghanis have been slaughtered because of the imbecilic decisions made by this president regarding pulling us out of Afghanistan. And by the way, the war in Afghanistan is not over. We left Afghanistan, no question about that. Our military is gone. Our diplomatic corps are gone. But that war over there, the one that we went over on his watch when he was in Congress, even before he became vice president, when he was in Congress, when he gave that little spiel you just heard. The war, that war is not over. That was part of the war on terror in the follow-up to what happened here in New York on 9-11. That terror is still alive, and it's still growing. And it's growing even stronger in a part of the, the world where we needed to have a presence to give our enemies, to make sure our enemies understood we're sitting here watching you, listening to you. We know what you're up to. We can't say that anymore. And I'm talking about China. Bagram Air Base was the closest military base the United States military had to the border of China. And now we find out China is negotiating with the Taliban to buy Bagram Air Base from the Taliban government in Afghanistan. They want to go in and take over all of the infrastructure, which it's like a city. Bagram is like a city, unbelievably fortified, all kinds of military technology. 
There were 5,000 terrorists that were being held in prison inside of Bagram Air Base that the U.S. military were keeping there. 5,000. That's how big that infrastructure is. Like I said, it's, it's like a city. And the Chinese are about to take it over. All those weapons, I'm sure a lot of those are in the hands of our enemies, our foreign enemies, and China may be some of that. We don't know that. But let me give you a fact that will blow your mind. The next week after we literally pulled out of Afghanistan, we brought you a story here and played an audio soundbite. Automatic weapons, M4, which is the fully automatic version of the AR-15. M4 grenades, rocket launchers, were being sold on the streets in Afghanistan. And it did not matter who was buying those weapons. Taliban terrorists were out there. They're raising money. They don't care who buys it. Hey, you got enough money? Let me give you an M4. Let me give you an automatic weapon. You know that weapon that Joe Biden and all his minions say that AR-15s are where, you know, it's like a machine gun. An AR-15 is you pull the trigger one time, one shell fires. An M4, if you've got a clip in there that has 100 shells, you pull the trigger one time and hold the trigger and 100 shells fire in rapid machine gun-like method. That's what's walking around the streets of Afghanistan because of Joe Biden. I could stay here all day. and talk about such nonsense, but we're not going to do that. There's other news, and there are things that I want to talk to you about this morning. Build Back Better, the BBB. Actually, it's BBBB, Build Back Better Bill. It's front and center. Nancy Pelosi, they've colluded and found a way, they think, to ram it through the House of Representatives before Thanksgiving. The biggest piece of legislation in dollars and cents that they're telling us it contains, they can't show us it contains whatever dollars and cents because they want to rush it through before the Congressional Budget Office that has the sole job of that nonpartisan group that answers to Congress is to, as a requirement, any piece of legislation before it can be put to the floor for debate We've got to know the dollars and cents, the cost to the American taxpayer. It's a great idea, huh? They tell us now it's $1.75 trillion. Originally, it was $3.5 trillion. So basically what they're saying to the news media, oh, we cut it in half, we cut it in half. BS. The reason they're pushing so hard to get it passed in the House before the CBO tells us what's in it, dollars and cents, is because it is full of all kinds of money, way more dollars than $1.75 trillion. That's bad enough. But there's a fly in the ointment for the Democrats. Senator Joe Manchin, the moderate, the real moderate in the Senate, Democrat from West Virginia, he is floating out a trial balloon to see how it is received but he may decide to delay the BBB, the $1.75 trillion Build Back Better bill, until next year. Why would he do that? 
the increasing, ever-increasing rate of inflation has got him really, really upset. Novel idea. A member of the U.S. Senate is upset because of inflation. If you're a Democrat, I don't care if you're in the House or the Senate, you look at inflation kind of like slapping it on the back at your big buddy, your friend. According to Axios, red-hot inflation data validates the instinct of Senator Joe Biden to punt, excuse me, Senator Joe Manchin, to punt President Biden's Build Back Better agenda until next year, potentially killing that quick deal on the almost $2 trillion package. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported prices increased almost 1% alone in October, and that brings our annual inflation rate to 6.2%. By all accounts, the threat posed by record inflation to the American people is not transitory and is instead getting worse. Now, that's Joe Biden. He is a former governor. He's a U.S. senator in West Virginia. He's a pretty smart guy, but he's not an economist. But folks, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to know we are eaten up today with inflation. Yeah, we've had high inflation in my lifetime. I remember back during the last big goof-off Democrat president, Jimmy Carter. A lot of people would argue with me and say that Bill Clinton was one of those, but he had a little more common sense. Jimmy Carter, none. Joe Biden, none. From the grocery store to the gas pump, we all know the inflation tax is real. And Washington, D.C. and Senator Joe Manchin can no longer ignore the economic pain that we are feeling. Now, Manchin, this is nothing new. Manchin has consistently expressed his hesitancy surrounding the president's social spending package. Why? Because of its potential impact on the economy and our national debt. Go figure. The Build Back Better Act was recently cut in size from $3.5 trillion to one and three quarters trillions, largely in part due to Manchin's refusal to support it, that original number that's so high. But then you have the likes of Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, She's worried that severing the social spending deal from the $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that they passed last Friday would give away the leverage they have on dictating the social agenda to the moderates like Manchin. And he sits on a pretty powerful spot in the Senate, the Senate Committee on Appropriations. And he's vice chair of the Senate Democrats Policy and Communications Committee. So he's in the swing of the decision-making process. And he and Kirsten Sinema, U.S. Senator, another Democrat in Arizona, they pretty much hold the trump cards on what's going to happen, if anything's going to happen, on this boondoggle, the BBB. (laughs) It's insane, folks. It's insane. Inflation is eating us a story. And then you have the likes of MSNBC. MSNBC host Stephanie Rule. She actually, on air, has argued that the Democrats have accomplished, quote, plenty of good things when it comes to the economy. She discussed the recent report that prices had climbed 6.2% last month, which is the highest inflation rise since, you know, 
couple of years, all the way back to 1991, Chuck Todd, the host of the show, Meet the Press Daily, Chuck acknowledged that Democrats bear the brunt of the criticism during this, his words, short inflation. I have no idea where that came from. Folks, inflation is inflation. If somebody's fat, they're fat. You can say kind of fat, or you can even call them fluffy. But fat is fat, just like inflation is inflation. Chuck Todd said, so bottom line is, this is something that it has got to just work itself out. And you know, you know, the Democrats are the ones in charge, so they're going to pay the price of this short-term economic frustration, Chuck said. But Stephanie Rule, she argued Democrats and President Biden are actually sitting on a great economic story beyond the inflation issues. Hmm. And it's unfortunate. But the Democrats don't do a great job of telling their economic story, she said. Yes, this inflation number is not a good one. But they've got a great economic story to tell, right? Five million jobs created, which is a lie. They didn't create a single job. All they did was open up the doors and let people come back to work in the same jobs they were working in before the government locked them out. They didn't create any of these jobs. Those are old jobs. But she said they created 5 million jobs, 200 million people vaccinated. Those vaccine numbers tie directly to the economy. In one way, Stephanie, in one way. And listeners to TNN Live, what way is that? Well, federal taxpayers paid for every one of those vaccines, every single one of them. You get vaccinated? Have you been? That vaccine that was jabbed and in your arms? They didn't file on your insurance for that. Nope. Federal government pays for it all. Who gets that money? Who do they pay? Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson. And by the way, they stepped it up very quietly, they being the federal government. CMS, which is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, it used to be HICFA for years. HICFA was getting such a bad rap. I think it was during the Obama administration or may have been when Bush 43 was in office. They changed the name to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. They're the ones that shove out all the rules about health care, reimbursement, coding, all that kind of stuff. So CMS came up with a novel idea per Democrats. Democrats, you know who they are. Now they're in power, top to bottom. And if you don't think they are, just ask them. They'll make sure you know that. They're the bosses. So what did they do? They told all the hospitals in the nation, hey, we're going to have this rush of COVID-19 cases. We know it's coming at you. And we know it's going to push you to the edge of being able to take care of all of these horribly sick Americans from this virus that Donald Trump said was created in China. Bogus not true. Anthony Fauci said it was not created in a lab in Wuhan. Of course, not true also. But here's what we're going to do for you, you hospitals. When somebody comes into your emergency room and they're complaining with what looks like COVID-19 symptoms, just remember this, what I'm about to tell you. They're saying this, the CMS 
to all the hospitals around the nation. Just remember this. Any person that is diagnosed that comes into your hospital and is admitted and the official diagnosis is COVID-19, what you've got to do is you've got to treat them very special. You have to isolate them. Special COVID-19 wards. And God forbid it happens, but if one of them or two of them end up in intensive care, if it's COVID-19, you know that normal intensive care daily allowable amount that Medicare or Medicaid is going to pay? Well, we're going to pay that amount, but we're going to up it 60% because you've diagnosed that patient as a COVID-19 patient. And that means you're going to have to medicate them based upon Medicaid and Medicare treatment for COVID-19 patients, which means medication remdesivir. Anthony Fauci and Moderna's biggie, right? Remdesivir, all kinds of horrible side effects, but the number one is kidney failure. But there's a big reason why you have to treat those patients with remdesivir. It's because it's a COVID-19 reimbursable number that is also 60% more than is being charged for non-COVID patients. When you ever wonder why, if you ever have questions about anything, especially with government, follow the money. And I'm not saying that these hospitals out there are doing something wrong. We've had nurses on this show. We've had doctors, multiple on this show that you've heard, give the story. You know what's driving the boat for how COVID-19 patients are treated? There's only one thing that's driving it coast to coast. Protocol. Protocol. Do you know there are people in my city, in your town, in your city, every city in America, there are people in hospitals that refuse family members or even the patients themselves talking to them when they say, the hospitals say, well, we're treating you for COVID-19 and our protocol is this, bam, 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 bam. And you say, I don't want that. I don't want that in my, in my, uh, in my, my dad, my wife, my husband. I don't want that in there. I refuse to allow you to do it. They will look at you and say, you cannot refuse that. Why can't I refuse that? It's the hospital protocol. We have to follow that. Do you know there are people that are pulling their family members out of these emergency rooms and intensive care units to take them somewhere else to get them treated? Where can they take them? This may blow your mind. You probably haven't heard this. The only place that you can take them to get out of the hospital protocol mandatory that every hospital got it from CMS. CMS got it from guess who? Dr. Anthony Fauci. Dr. Rochelle Walensky with the CDC. You have to take them to hospice and get your attending physician to write prescriptions for them to be treated. I personally know people that have done that. And in just days, they get up and walk out because they weren't treated with the hospital protocol medication and treatment. 
They get big, hospital gets big, big numbers, big numbers. If they have a patient diagnosed officially as COVID-19 and they get put on a ventilator. Way back in the beginning of this, you remember when the craziness was going on in Manhattan when all of this began? And of course, President Trump, he got the Javits Center and built a 300-bed hospital there for Bill de Blasio and brought the ship into Manhattan port with a hospital. That's all it was, was a hospital ship to treat COVID patients. You remember when all that was going on? We had a doctor on here, a specialist, a pulmonologist, which is somebody that works with heart and lungs and everything to do with it. And he snuck around and did an audio soundbite. And what he said in it is they're forcing us to put these patients on ventilators and doing that is killing them. The explanation, and it, Makes sense. It played out and they changed the protocol because of what he said and other doctors were saying while they were watching patients on vents die left and right. What's the purpose for a ventilator? Well, it takes over your breathing if you're sick. And COVID-19, it's an inflammatory virus. It attacks your lungs and you get big swelling sections in the patient's lungs. And so, therefore, obviously, the patient's going to have trouble breathing. When they put you on a vent, the vent breathes for them. But the problem was, and you know with the biology of the lungs, blood comes out of the heart. The first place it goes, every time it comes out of the heart, it goes to the lungs to be oxygenated. So when they put these COVID patients on these ventilators, the vents are pushing too hard and too fast because of the inflammation and the swelling in the patient's lungs, their blood wasn't oxygenating and they were dying and they couldn't understand why. This doctor came on TNN Live a year and a half ago and he said what they've got to stop doing is ventilating these patients and instead put them on an oxygen cannula, which is the thing that covers the whole face and mouth and need to give 100% oxygen to get these patients, get their blood oxygenated. And if they'll do that, the patient's autoimmune system will kick in. And sure enough, guess what? That began to happen. Wow. Although inflation, it does continue to plague us. And if you've been to the grocery store or the gas station, you know exactly what. It's happening. And although it is Democrats and some of the media... They choose to downplay it, obviously, because it makes this administration look bad. And this administration doesn't need any help in looking bad. They're doing it all by themselves. So this one just blew me away. White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain. He retweeted a comment that claimed inflation and supply chain issues were high-class problems. High-class problems. Now, is that comparative to low-class problems? Well, the Atlantic Atlantic Magazine, which is owned by uh, the former the founder of Apple, his wife. The Atlantic similarly suggested that affluent Americans buying things they didn't need or behind 
the inflation issues. It's, it's kind of like they're saying, well, you know, all of a sudden these rich people got so much money, they just started spending it all and it's driving the prices and inflation through the roof. Early this week, Monday, an MSNBC opinion columnist argued that inflation could actually be a good thing for the economy. When you have high demand and relatively low supply, prices go up. Sounds like Jen Psaki. She said the same thing from the White House briefing podium. The inflation we're seeing, this MSNBC columnist said, is not, then, some mysterious affliction that's descended on our economy. It's the predictable product of the economy's rapid recovery and its costs have been offset to a large degree by robust wage growth and government policies. Well, that writer is wrong. No inflation has been offset by robust wage growth. There has been some wage growth, but not nearly enough to offset the inflation they're reporting. Listen to me before we go to our first break. The numbers they're giving us about inflation are bogus. And, and, and I'm a prophet on that. Why do you say that, Dan? I have no clue. I don't know how or if they're actually worse than what's being reported. But in the history of this administration and every Democrat presidential administration during my lifetime, when something's bad going on in the nation and they tell us how bad it is, you can bet the bad rate that they give to us, tell us it actually is, it's always twice as bad. They say this is the highest inflation rate all the way back to 1991. Folks, I think it's the highest ever. And I think as you go buy gasoline, buy groceries, buy anything that you're buying now, you're going to experience it. And if you ever keep, if you do your your purchases via online debit card or credit card or whatever, and you keep all that information, if you go back and analyze it month by month, you'll see that the rate of your expenses, the ones that you deal with every month, like utility, gasoline, food, clothing, all those kinds of things, and you track the increases, you're going to find out inflation is way more than what they're telling us it is. And then they're telling us it's going to continue to persist into 2022. And the Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, said summer of 2022. Folks, we're just getting cranking up here today. We've got some southern border news to talk about. Um, we have coronavirus issues and vaccine issues to talk about. Some big news on those fronts broke overnight. So don't go every go don't go anywhere. Stay here back in two minutes at TNN Live. Are you ready for best life minus the burnout? I'm Zuri Hall from NBC's Access Hollywood, and my new podcast, Hot Happy Mess, is all about the most important VIP, you. Join us each Monday as we discuss relationships, self-care, career, and much more. Our podcast is for mindful, ambitious, diverse millennial women who are ready for more happiness, laughter, peace, and purpose now. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, and it's easy to see why. Listen to Hot Happy Mess every week on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan High Efficiency Water Softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Married to the truth, divorced from the lies, fighting for the future. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And again, Dan Newman. Well, there is so much going on this morning. I want to I, I want to just go through a lot of this stuff very quickly because I want you to get the substance of the environment in which we find ourselves living today. And I'm never a prophet of gloom and doom. I'm not. I'm always, I've been the guy with the glass half full perspective. I've always been that way. And I still feel this way. And the reason I do is I look down the road. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about the last chapter of Revelation, which talks about the end time for the world, not just the United States. And at the end of it all, folks, there's one really, really good promise there that drives my boat, always has and always will. God's at the end of this thing. He was in the beginning. He is at the end of it. I serve the God, not a God, the God who created the the world and he's going to manage it, allow us to do what we do in it, hold us accountable when we screw up, bless us when we do good things for other people which is what's happened on the most part for 260 years with the United States of America. But no matter how it works out, when I'm doing my best, when you're doing your best, you're putting your best foot forward all the time, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Like that Sunday school teacher asked a classroom my senior year full of other high school seniors, and he said, when you guys are, are prone to worry about things in your life, you shouldn't do it. You know why? Ask yourself this question every time when you're considering getting upset and going crazy about something. You don't know what you want to be. You don't know what, where you want to go to school or if you want to go to college. And you struggle with those. Always ask this question. What difference will it make in a hundred years? And we need to concentrate first on those things we know will make a difference in a hundred years. Basically, what he was saying is, at the end of it all, God's got this. You know, something that the Biden administration hasn't talked about, hasn't talked about 
the tax situation that is coming from this infrastructure bill that was passed last Friday night. Joe hadn't signed it into law yet. I think he's going to do it today. But when that thing's rolled out, all that money's going to be flushed into the system. Somebody's got to start repaying that. And, of course, they tell us, remember his famous words about the Build Back Better? It's not going to cost Americans a cent. It's all paid for. Well, how do you pay for anything if you're the federal government? There's only one way. There's no money-making building. There's not a big, huge store like Walmart or Sam's or Costco that the federal government owns and operates where they can make money. The federal government doesn't make a dime. In fact, what they do is they take money that you and I make and they use it to what they call invest in all of these things. Folks, it's an oxymoron. An investment is an investment. And it's not an investment unless you're doing something on your own and the money you're doing it with is money that comes out of your pocket. Government doesn't have any money in its pocket. They borrow money from you and me and they call what they spend that money for investment. It's anything but an investment. So what that means is all of this spending comes with a price. The price is first. It's got to be paid for. Well, Joe Biden's is not going to raise a tax dollar on anybody that makes $400,000 a year or less. Advocacy Group, Americans for Tax Reform, they've analyzed this Build Back Better bill, at least what they can get out of what's been uh, released, and they predict taxes could exceed 50% in all 50 states. Half your money. Now, that's just the federal tax bill. When federal and state income taxes are added, the combined rate is going to soar, according to Americans for Tax Reform, 66.2% in New York State, 64.7% in California. Think about it, folks. If you live in California, two-thirds, 67% almost, right at two-thirds, which is 66 and two-thirds is going to go to taxes. So that means every dollar you make, you get to keep 24 cents. The rest, you send it to the government. But it's not going to cost anybody anything. They're going to pay for it by taxing us all. And it's the old switcheroo thing. It's the old left pocket right pocket thing. We don't know yet what all of this money is going to go for. They've told us some, and they tell us a lot of things, but it's all kind of cloaked in secrecy. If you've ever read any piece of legislation, almost in every one, it doesn't just list, here's what we're going to do in this section, and here's how it's going to be paid for. That'd be too simple. What they do is they fill that full of references to other legislation, some previously, some may even be considered right now, but they'll say, according to section so-and-so of this, section number so-and-so, and and paragraph one through four, here's what we're going to do. And that's why the CBO is, is taking so long for them to score this bill, is because they said, 
the CBO said it's going to take a little bit longer because most of this legislation is full of those references and we can't figure the cost of any provision until we go back and get all of the reference provisions and what those things require to be able to come up with a number. But guess one thing that they dug out of it that they know is going to happen with our tax dollars. President Biden's Build Back Better Act would give $800 million worth of cash payments, direct cash payments. I'm not talking about benefits. I'm talking about dollars and cents. That money goes to hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens who have been recently released into the United States. The Center for Immigration Studies analyzed the cost of the American taxpayers if Biden's expanded child tax credit for illegal aliens is extended for at least another year as part of this package. Initially, the CIS, Centers for Immigration Studies, their analysis found the cost to provide the tax credits to illegals would cost about $80 billion over the course of a decade, or about $8 billion every year. Their director of research, Stephen Camerata, now writes the cost to taxpayers will be even more because the roughly 500 to 600,000 illegals released into the U.S. this year would be eligible to receive $800 million in cash as a result of the tax credits. Here's what Camerata wrote. In an October analysis, we estimated that illegal immigrants would receive $8.2 billion in cash from the expanded child tax credit, which is part of budget reconciliation, also referred to as the Build Back Better Act. That analysis assumed cash would be limited to illegal immigrants with U.S.-born kids, as is the case with the additional child tax credit that it replaces. But the current version of the BBB Act repeals page 1452, line 14, the requirement that children claimed as dependents need Social Security numbers. In other words, they need to already have been here or been born here. As a result, illegal immigrants whose kids are illegal immigrants as well are going to receive an estimated $1.5 billion in payments from the new program. Just the elimination of the Social Security number requirement allows the more than 600,000 illegal immigrants encountered at the border in family units or as unaccompanied minors that were released in fiscal year 2021 to receive cash payments from the new CTC, Child Tax Credit. We estimate roughly these new arrivals are going to get slightly less than $800 million from this program for a total of $10.5 billion in cash to illegal immigrants here in 2020 or released into the country in 2021. And of course, the receipt of those payments under the new child tax credit system is made all the easier. You know why? The Build Back Better Act eliminates a work requirement of the old ACTC. In other words, if you live here, folks, and if you speak a foreign language, and you don't have a Social Security number, don't worry about it. You're going to get your fair share of $800 million from the new program plus what you were getting from the old program.
about this illegal immigration thing. Oh, they got that worked out. You know, we're taking care of that at the southern border. Yeah, they really are. Border Patrol agents in two Texas sectors found groups of migrants being smuggled in dump trailers in attempts to circumvent interior immigration checkpoints. Those interdictions led to the apprehensions of 24 illegals and the recovery of one stolen truck. Rio Grande Valley sector border patrol agents, they saw a Chevrolet pickup truck hauling a dump trailer traveling on a road south of the Javier Vega Jr. immigration checkpoint on November 8th. The area located near U.S. Highway 77 is a well-known drop-off area for smugglers that are trying to move their cargo, which are humans, around the checkpoint. As one agent drove by the truck, he observed a bunch of people in the cab. So the agent stopped and observed the driver pulling to the side of the road and numerous people bailing out and running away into the brush on both sides of the road. He immediately apprehended four of those people and called for assistance. A search team, including an air and marine operations helicopter crew, rounded up 14 more. Stories like this just continue over and over and over again. Once again, Biden administration thumbing their noses at the rule of law. And there are sad stories that come up almost every day. Border Patrol officers found a small child a migrant, an illegal child, that human smugglers just abandoned after putting him on the international border crossing from Mexico. The smugglers moved the kid across the international boundary mark on the Paso del Norte border crossing, and they told him, just walk north. Border Patrol said this, the boy told us he was dropped off at the base of the bridge in Mexico by unknown folks and told to walk until he ran into somebody wearing a uniform. Fortunately, he was able to make it to our officers before anything more severe than his abandonment occurred. Border Patrol officers took him. He was eight years old. They took him into the port for processing and medical screening, and he was in good medical condition, thank God. During his processing, Border Patrol officers identified him as a Guatemalan migrant. Think about that. Came all the way up from Guatemala, Honduras, way down there below Mexico, and then all the way up through Mexico. Investigators contacted a woman in Virginia. Who might that be? His mother. Border Patrol turned the boy over to Border Patrol Centralized Processing Center in El Paso. He's being held pending transfer to Health and Human Services. This is just one story. There are thousands and thousands of stories just like that that come out every day. I mean, we could sit here every day and bring you 10, 15, 20 such stories. And what's happening with all of these stories is they're falling on deaf ears. Nobody in the Biden administration gives a rip. And don't let anybody try to tell you otherwise. They can't tell you otherwise because that's what's happening. No, better than that. That's what's not happening. Wow. In just a few moments, we're going to turn to Senator John Kennedy, our very own Mark Twain. He yesterday was on television in an interview about these crazy vaccine mandates um, that have put 
half of our nation, at least in a tailspin. People just don't know what to do. Lawsuits flying all across the place. Of course, anytime the federal government ends up with some case or pleading regarding vaccine mandates in court and the federal courts say, I can't do that. Hold on. Temporary stay. The Biden administration, starting day before yesterday, obviously on Joe Biden's watch, just said, we're going to ignore what the courts say regarding our vaccine mandates. They're really saying that. And there are multiple lawsuits that are pending across the nation. Every state has at least one or two at the state level, and then we have private citizens that are suing the Biden administration over this. It's just plain insanity. Right after this, Senator Kennedy joins Martha McCallum on Fox News to talk about it. You don't want to miss it. At Accio, we've been making the best in mobile phones for over 20 years. How did we get there? By putting ringtones in every commercial that make you think your phone is ringing. Whether you have a new phone, an old phone, or just leave it on vibrate, we make sure you always hear your phone in our commercials. It's our way of saying, we hear you. So don't be silenced when opportunity calls pick it up. It's for you. Accio Mobile. Shop at H&M. Be stylish. Be trendy. With women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's so cheap and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? Come shop at H&M today! Hashtag Hot and Modern What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh, snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at WeAreGolden. Look out, world. We got it from here. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Violence, screaming obscenities, heated arguments, angry crowds, roller derby? Nah. Election season. And your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org. Now wait a minute, Dan, this isn't election season. You you just you just need to wake up and realize, folks, election season, when is it? It's every freaking day. We are always in this nation looking ahead. Forget about every day, 24-7 kind of activities and special things going on. Oh, this is politics. It's 24-7, 365 in this nation. We just came through an election last week. Not every state had them, but some did. Many did. 
on various issues. And there were several federal issues and roles in our government that were determined by those elections. But the biggies are every two years in November, November 3rd, or is it the 2nd? It's the first Tuesday in November 2022. You think, wow, that's that's a year away. A few days under 12 months from now, folks. <laughs> We're going to be in election season every day until then. And so we're going to look at some of that in just a couple of minutes. But I want you to listen to Fox News' Martha McCallum with uh, Louisiana Senator John Kennedy discussing the vaccine mandate insanity Americans are living in. Got a lot of legal pushback on this and whether or not the federal government is in the right in telling these companies what they have to do, Senator. Well, the uh, Martha, as we both know, the vaccine is a is a godsend. Mm-hmm. Um, the virus came from China. The best vaccines came from America. Mm-hmm. And I hope people will take them. To your point, though, uh, you, you don't have to be Oliver Wendell Scalia to know that President Biden's uh, vaccine mandate and OSHA's vaccine mandate, OSHA's normally in charge of things like making you wear a hard hat on the job, um, are both dubious reaches by the federal government, both statutorily and constitutionally. That's why the federal Fifth Circuit has temporarily, and maybe it'll do it permanently, halted implementation of the rule. As a society, we have to make these decisions all the time about how to balance personal freedom with public safety. And um, un- unless you do your research on Twitter, you, you know that the best way to make those decisions is to allow the public to decide at the state and local level through their local legislatures in accordance with the state constitution and, in this case, the federal constitution. Um, President Biden and Dr. Fauci, um, instead of trying to persuade people to take the vaccine, uh, they have had chosen to, uh, to condescend and lecture and demean and, and uh, debase and, and mandate. And, and I think that's why uh, your, your, your aunt's Facebook page has more credibility than they do. Um, I, I would suggest that the President Biden tried a different way and stop treating people like they're anti-science morons. I wish he would stop that, but it would probably be easier to teach a toaster to read. That is a line for history. <laughs> oh my gosh, getting the Biden administration to think of another way to handle the vaccines. He said it would be easier to teach a toaster how to read. <laughs> what an insult. That's not even a left-handed slap in the face. It's a just a plain old right in the in the schnozzle of this administration. 10 states now, 10 states have sued to stop Biden's vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. A coalition, they went together, 10 states filed a single lawsuit aimed at stopping 
the administration's mandate that orders healthcare workers at facilities that receive Medicare and Medicaid funding to be fully vaccinated. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, he's leading the charge on the suit. It was filed yesterday, and the suit states that the recently issued um, rule, I guess it is, by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services imposes an unprecedented federal vaccine mandate on nearly every full-time employee, part-time employee, volunteer, and contractor working at wide range of healthcare facilities, which facilities get Medicaid or Medicare funding. Now, why would these facilities get Medicaid or Medicare funding? We shouldn't be paying places to take care of that. Folks, in case you didn't know this, there is no building in Washington, D.C., and on the side of the building it says, Medicare. And there's no other building in D.C. or anywhere else that on the side of the building it says Medicaid. Medicare is not an insurance company. Medicaid is not an insurance company. Even CMS is not an insurance company. They're a bureau that handles the processing of everything, healthcare treatment, and reimbursement to healthcare providers that provide treatment to Medicaid and Medicare patients. Somebody's got to run the operation. And it all flows downhill. And let me explain to you. 28 years ago, I started a medical billing, a medical reimbursement company. What is, what is that? What do we do? Well, all these years, what we've done is fight and fought insurance companies in all 50 states I mean, every insurance company you can imagine that handles health care. And what we fight them to do is get them, according to regulations and laws, to pay every health care provider that becomes a client of ours every dime that regulations and laws and the contracts which these insurance companies have with these insured people to make sure they pay appropriately and pay it on time. And it's amazing how how much and how difficult it is to get these insurance companies, including those that represent insurance companies. CMS doesn't, they don't process health care claims for Medicare or Medicaid. They just don't. What they do is they'll contract with insurance companies, private insurance companies around the nation to process claims for them. And so it's a conundrum there. You've got a federal program that is being operated by private companies. Federal government is not a for-profit entity. They don't care. The federal government would cease to exist if there was any requirement for it to ever turn a nickel of profit on anything. They're inept. And so they turn it over to private insurance companies. And what are they doing? They're trying to make an income. They're trying to create and generate profits. There's only two ways to do that, folks. The only way to get a profit, and it's based on the price you charge minus the expenses that you incur to provide those services. And so what does that mean? Insurance companies are getting paid so much based upon fee schedule numbers for Medicare and Medicaid patients. So they've got to find a way to keep the revenue high while their cost low. 
In other words, they want to keep as much money as they can without having to pay for the services that they're contracted to pay for. And I know it sounds convoluted. And it probably, without question, could be run much more efficiently out of total, totally out of the control and over oversight of the federal government. But that's a conversation for other days. Anyway, Eric Schmidt is leading the charge for this, these lawsuits for these vaccine mandates for healthcare workers. Unfortunately, he said with his latest mandate from the Biden folks, last year's healthcare heroes are turning into this year's unemploy. He's talking about nurses and other healthcare workers. Requiring healthcare workers to get a vaccination, or if you don't get terminated, it's unconstitutional, it's unlawful, and it could exacerbate healthcare staffing shortages to the point of collapse. And he is the AG from Missouri, so he said, especially in Missouri's rural areas. Schmidt, by the way, is running for U.S. Senate. He added that his often has been and will continue to be a national leader in challenging this administration's illegal edicts. And this instance is our latest effort to push back on this unprecedented federal overreach. So joining Missouri or Alaska, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, New Hampshire, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wyoming. And they're all suing the government for the same thing. And then there's Navy SEALs. Dozens of U.S. Navy SEALs and Special Warfare Command crewmen, they're taking legal action against the administration and the Defense Department for their refusal to grant religious exemptions to the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Attorneys with First Liberty Institute, a non-for-profit legal institute, filed a federal lawsuit on behalf of 35 service members Tuesday, two days ago. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin announced in August that all U.S. troops will be required to get their vaccine And, of course, that move is supported by Joe Biden. The fact the government hasn't granted a single religious exemption from the vaccine mandate, not one, folks, it shows that the Biden administration is engaged in an attempted ideological purge. That's according to the general counsel of First Liberty Institute, Mike Berry. Forcing a member of the military service to choose between their faith or serving their country is abhorrent to the Constitution and America's values. He continued, After all these elite warriors have done to defend our freedoms, the Navy is now threatening their careers, their families, their finances. It's appalling, and it has to stop before any more harm is done to our national security. This is just craziness, folks. This absolute craziness. And I guess... What illustrates the tyrannical control that is not just wanted by this administration, but is happening day after day. It's growing in volume and loudness and spread across the nation. Is how Joe Biden's Department of Justice is handling that abortion suit. This is not vaccines. The abortion suit where... Governor Greg Abbott of Texas signed the law. It is law that says abortions cannot happen if a heartbeat is detected 
in a baby in the womb of a mother in the state of Texas. And they're fighting it. The DOJ is fighting it tooth and nail. But it gets even worse. Governor Abbott, he put out an edict. It passed in the legislature of Texas that says no employer in the state of Texas, no employer whatsoever, can require an employee to get a vaccination as a, uh, a part of being employed with those companies. Well, of course, when that came out, immediately, Biden's Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against Texas, and they found a federal district judge that would back them up. Well, what did Texas do? They went to the first, the highest, or actually the lowest federal appeals court. The state of Texas, all their federal appeals on federal lawsuits, any appeal goes to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans. So Saturday, because it was a rush, rush thing, they work on the weekend at, in New Orleans. Go figure, huh? Federal government working on the weekend. Many of us think they don't work at all. But the court said, hey, we're going to let the governor of Texas, we're going to let his situation stand. So temporarily, until this can work its way through the other courts in the nation, in the judiciary system, we're going to hold off. In other words, we're going to say what Governor Abbott in the state of Texas said, that's going to stand. No company in Texas can require employees to be vaccinated. So what did the DOJ do? You would think they, I mean, we're talking about the federal court system. We would think they would say, okay, we're just going to wait for the process to go. You employers, just forget about it for now. No. Joe Biden, president of the United States, our tyrannical leader-in-chief, and it is tyranny. What we are dealing with now on these vaccine mandates, folks, is tyrannical. He told the Department of Justice to tell everybody it doesn't matter. You don't honor what the federal court, Fourth, uh, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals said in New Orleans. We mandated that you've got to be vaccinated. You keep on forcing vaccination of employees. And they say Donald Trump was a tyrannical dictator wannabe. Nothing Donald Trump ever did or tried to do. Not a single thing can you point to and say, in any way. That's what a tyrant will do. That's what an authoritarian government will do. Nothing. Nothing he tried to do. He tried to get everything done the right way. And you know what the right way for that is? In the United States Congress, in the House of Representatives, and the U.S. Senate. Joe Biden had to try to do any of this legislatively, the congressional constitutional way. You've got to listen to me. I'm Joe Biden. And if I say it, if I say it, it's got to be done because I'm Joe Biden. Just because you think something's right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. But always get the truth about right and wrong here at TNN, the Truth News Network. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. 
regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in-stock guarantee. Staples, make more happen. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. Well, you know what in Washington, D.C. has dominated everything. OMG, it's climate change. I mean, you think about all of the big circles of priorities that you would draw on a whiteboard if you stood up in front of a group of people and you were talking about things that are happening that we need to pay attention to in the United States. They told us, folks. The Secretary of Defense told us when he was asked, who's our biggest adversary? What are the two biggest spots that we need to concentrate on as being the most dangerous to the United States? You know what they were? The first one, China. But not number one on China. Equally as critical, he told us, equally as critical as China is climate change. Climate change. As if there is one human being on planet Earth that can impact by their actions what the climate is. I know of only one person that's ever drawn a breath in human history that could do that. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I mean, he stopped a storm by talking to the storm. God made it rain. He made it stop raining. Now he can do it, but God is God. This is when Jesus was on planet Earth. He did that. Nobody else has been able to do that. We have hurricanes. You're not going to stop a hurricane. We have flooding. You're not going to stop flooding. Well, maybe you don't believe that flooding is real. If you're a Democrat, you don't have to worry about flooding. You don't have to worry about borders that are right up against bodies of water, like oceans. Why wouldn't anybody have to worry about that? Well, what if your name is Barack Obama? Barack Obama. You know, they're still in the midst. This COP26 thing, climate crisis get-together in Scotland is still going on. And they're over there. They're parading over there every day. Obama's a nobody on planet Earth in leadership. He is an ex-president of the United States, an ex-U.S. senator, but he's ex. He's not the current. But he, they say, drew the biggest crowd at COP26. And, of course, he is the expert on everything to do with climate change. Here's a perspective from our buddies at Sky News, and you'll also hear 
former president, the anointed one, Barack Obama, at COP26. But first to the Glasgow Gab Fest, otherwise known as COP26. And whilst it has hosted some phenomenally sized egos, it was the biggest one of them all that spoke yesterday. Former US President Barack Obama began by lamenting how badly things had fared for the world because he no longer occupies the White House. I recognise we're living in a moment when international cooperation has waned. And yes, in part because of a lack of leadership on America's part for four years on a host of multilateral issues. Supposed to be a conference about climate change, but nonetheless, Obama managed to make it about himself. And even when he did speak about climate change, he did so from a typical egocentric analysis. There are times where I feel discouraged. There are times where the future seems somewhat bleak. There are times where I am doubtful that humanity can get its act together before it's too late. And, and, and images of dystopia start creeping into my dreams. Goodness, it's all going to the proverbial. What was Obama saying back in 2008 when he secured the Democratic nomination? This was the moment when the rise of the oceans began to slow and our planet began to heal. Ah, so he's realised he's not Moses after all. But worry not, the great man announced he is prepared to make great sacrifices for the planet. I can afford to give up a lot of my current lifestyle to benefit the planet. Let me guess, Obama is prepared to stay in these modest digs for the sake of humanity's survival? And let's not forget his holiday home in Hawaii, which will be uh, built also on the site used for the 1980s TV show Magnum P.I. As the magazine American Luxury outline, the demolished building will make way for a custom compound that is planned to include three houses and a state-of-the-art security system because, you know, climate emergency. So that's two seaside mansions. Uh, what was Obama saying just a few hours ago? And for those listening back home in the U.S., let me say this. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. If your Florida house is flooded by rising seas... What a hypocrite. As the Daily Mail reported, Obama flew into Glasgow on a Bombardier 6000 private jet from Washington, D.C. Yet this is how our ABC described Obama. Looks like they forgot all about the private jet and the waterfront homes. He may no longer be president, but Barack Obama's audience dwarfed those of many world leaders at this conference. The usual fawning comments. Usual fawning comments. Even our friends on the opposite side of the globe and way down below the equator in Australia, the news people there, they feel the same way as many of us feel about the anointed one. Barack Hussein Obama. Now, let me just put this succinct and we'll move on. They bought a home on the water. I mean, literally, 
on the water, on the ocean, Martha's Vineyard. But he grew up in Hawaii. That's his home. And so they bought, as you heard, the estate. Uh, you remember that uh, that television series? You saw Tom Selleck get out of that, uh, what was it? It wasn't a Maserati. Wasn't it a Ferrari all the time? They bought that estate, and they're in the process. I say they are. You and I are. It's taxpayer money. They're turning it into a small fortress because, after all, the former president of the United States, he's going to live there at least, you know, one-third of his time because he's got that other mansion on the water in Martha's Vineyard, and he bought, and Michelle, they bought a huge mansion, built some new walls around it, just blocks away from the White House. They're the only president, first lady, that have ever continued to live in Washington, D.C. after they finished their term in office. But he's got these two wonderful places, and he's speaking at the ultimate climate change conference. He is one of those quote-unquote experts over the climate, and he's so sure if you live in Florida, oh, your house on the water, you're going to get flooded. Why? Because of climate change. But guess what? He just told us, Obama told us, and those sycophants at that COP26 conference regarding climate change in Glasgow, the COVID God, he knows who I am. He knows who Michelle is. And our property that is on the ocean, that is where, obviously, if there's going to be climate change that creates floods of all the oceans, normally, our house in Martha's Vineyard would be flooded. It would be underwater in minutes. And our house outside of Honolulu, on the water, on the ocean, the Pacific Ocean, it would be flooded too. But because I'm Barack Obama, I am the anointed one, Ha, the COVID gods would not dare allow our houses to flood. But you, you peons in Florida, you're not the anointed ones. So unless you listen to us and all these other experts around us, unless you listen to us and give us all your money to spend, and we promise you that between now and the end of this century, we're going to handle this climate change. You know what we're going to be able to do? We're going to be able to reduce the world's average temperature by one degree. One degree. But between now and then, you've got to give us tens of trillions of dollars and let us spend it however we want to. And when we tell you to do something, don't question us. The climate change slash COVID-19 gods, they speak to us every day. And we tell the gods what's supposed to happen. That sounds stupid for me to say that, folks. That's exactly what they're telling us. We don't have any intelligence. We have nothing which enables us and certainly nothing that gives us permission to push back against any of their edicts. Why is that? Not because he's an elected official, but just because he's Barack Hussein Obama. So it is said, so let it be done. You know, we do have somebody else that's running our country. (laughs) 
even though everybody thinks Barack is way involved in running Joe Biden's administration, but we do. And then around the nation, there are all kinds of people that they are also signed in. They're, they went to the Barack Obama class. They graduated summa cum laude from the Obama School of Tyranny and how to make your tyrannical power just cover up and control everybody in your lives. Did you hear the latest on our crime problem in the nation? The Los Angeles Police Department tweeted yesterday advising all Los Angeles City residents to, and I'm going to quote it here, cooperate and comply when you're being robbed. I'm not kidding. Here's the exact release. Due to an increase in violent street robberies, Robbery Homicide Division has become aware of an ongoing crime trend of follow-home robberies. You know, those are the ones that happen when they see you coming out of, uh, like, uh, a jewelry store on Rodeo Drive in Los Angeles to follow you home and then rob you. Suspects, it continues, suspects have been locating victims in Los Angeles, following them, and then committing the robberies as the victim arrives home or at their business. These crimes have occurred throughout the city of L.A., as well as neighboring cities. Different suspects have been identified and arrested for these types of crimes. LAPD then uses the release to outline seven points that convey the department's advice for what city residents, all of them, ought to do in response to the robberies. I'm not going to give them all to you, but point five on the release says, quote, if you are being robbed, do not resist the robbery suspects. Cooperate and comply with their demands. Be good citizens. You know what that makes me want to do? Just way down in the pit of my stomach. It makes me want to move to Los Angeles, where I know I'm going to be protected by local authorities and law enforcement. And I'm certainly, I'm not going to exercise any longer my second uh, amendment rights as a United States citizen. When I go to LA, I've got to check all my rights from the constitution. I've got to check them at the border because I got to listen to what governor Newsom and the LA police department tell me to do because they've got the power. They are telling you to be a good citizen. You must comply with all of the robbers demands. I don't know about you, but as somebody that will go to the efforts of following me home, that means in most cases, they're not just interested in getting my wallet, my credit cards, or the keys to the car. In many cases, those things turn violent. But just give them whatever they want. I mean, if they want to rape you, let them rape you. California is one of the most stringently gun control states in the nation. The state has had universal background checks and an assault weapons ban for weapons that they say are assault weapons, but they're not. They've had those in place since the 90s. The state limits, in addition, the number of guns that law-abiding citizens can buy each month. It requires law-abiding citizens to show good cause in order to be approved for a concealed carry permit, bans campus 
carry for self-defense, bans K-12 teachers from having guns for classroom defense, has a 10-day waiting period on gun purchases, has gun restriction requirements for law-abiding citizens, you got to register your gun, has a red flag law, and the state also has a ban on high-capacity magazines, which is currently being litigated. In addition to that, it goes, it goes even worse, folks. California has ammo controls, which include background checks for ammunition purchases and said purchases in state ammunition dealers who are approved by the state only. In spite of all the gun and ammunition controls, Los Angeles is seeing an increase and violent street robberies. Why is that, folks? Criminals, uh, they don't fill out background investigation applications because they don't buy their guns at gun stores. Therefore, the California government has no idea who owns these guns. Most all of these guns that are used in crimes, 99% plus, or illegally possessed guns that are stolen or bought on black market. Crime soaring in Los Angeles and other parts of California, and it continues to go up. None of this tightening down, ratcheting down in their gun laws by the Los Angeles Police Department or any other policing entity in the state of California. None of them are working. Why is that? because the laws are being abided only by legal California citizens who are willing to abide by laws that are passed. Limiting the ownership of guns, the purchase and ownerships of ammunition, and how you can keep and use a gun in California, the only people that are going to comply with those laws are good law-abiding citizens. And good law-abiding citizens, they don't follow people home from jewelry stores and rob them, maybe rape them, maybe kill them. Those are criminals. And they all have guns. This is just the stupid way to govern. And yet it, it happens all across this nation and it's getting worse and worse. Example, Ohio. In Ohio, A man is behind uh, bars today after he tried to break into a home with a knife and his doing so was all caught on a ring doorbell camera that was purchased and installed a couple of days before this incident. Megan Allen, this Ohio woman that owned this house, told one TV station that she bought the ring camera on Friday because her brand new neighbor was making her feel uncomfortable just after midnight. Now, she bought it, installed it on Friday, just after midnight on Monday. She said 29-year-old Jorge Alberto Chavez Reynosa was at her door after midnight, and she called 911. The police officer said her action made every bit of a difference, not her action to call the cops, installing the ring doorbell camera. He had offered to mow the lawn, came across 
as just trying to be a friendly neighbor, she said. But his vibes were very just aggressive to say good morning and good night and beautiful lady this and that. Multiple police agencies responded to the call, and after a foot chase, cops arrested Chavez Reynosa in nearby woods where he told him he wanted to save her from a big man that he saw. He didn't fight at all. He just gave up his hands, and we were able to handcuff him and take him into custody, a police officer said. The officer's only been with the police for less than a year and full-time with the department for about three months. He caught and tackled Chavez Reynosa. The police chief said Allen did everything right. The incident was a good lesson for everybody because she was calm, because she had the early warning system, and because she was able to give us a lot of information. It helped us not only apprehend the suspect, but she helped herself and protected herself. She also protected her family. Wow. You hear anything lately about criminal? Uh, I said criminal. Is that a vernacular faux pas like a a mistake? <laughs> um, critical race theory. <laughs> Not criminal race theory. According to the Washington Post, you're going to love this. Democrats are lying about critical race theory. Now, yes, this article they post, it's not an article. It's actually an opinion piece. And the title of it is Democrats are lying about critical race theory. Writer Mark Thiessen criticized Democrats for gaslighting American parents across the country about critical race theory following Republican Glenn Youngkin's win in the Virginia governor election. Thiessen writes a twice-weekly column for the Post on foreign and domestic policy. He's a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, and he was the chief speechwriter for former President George Bush, Bush 43. It's become a refrain on the left, he said, and it's media echo chamber following Republican Youngkin's victory in the Virginia governor's race. What is it? Critical race theory is not being taught in schools. And he wrote, this is demonstrably false. Youngkin positioned himself as an enemy to the woke indoctrination of K-12 students, whereas Democrat Terry McAuliffe, who he ran against, teamed up with far leftists in the Democrat Party and even said parents should not tell schools what to teach their kids. Critical race theory being taught in schools was a top issue among the Virginia voters, 25% of 2,500 voters that were questioned, as the single most important factor when deciding who to support for their governor, they said critical race theory. During election and post-election coverage, corporate media personalities, they waffled between pretending that CRT is not real and swinging in the opposite direction, conflating it with America's history and advocating for its widespread teaching in school. Thiessen compiled a short list of leftist media lies following the election, like PBS White House correspondent Yamichi Alcindor recently accused Republicans of winning by lying about critical race theory. Senator Mark Warner, a Democrat of Virginia, declared, there's not a school in Virginia that teaches critical race theory. 
Those who say otherwise, we are told, are dishonest, hyping a fake CRT threat, promoting an imaginary issue, trying to manipulate low-information people, engage in race-baiting lies, and blowing a racist dog whistle. And then Thiessen, he just proceeded to link several examples of schools either teaching or training teachers to use the tenets of guess what? Critical race theory. He specifically detailed how Virginia's Loudoun County Public Schools paid $314,000 for its teachers to be trained in critical race theory by the Equity Collaborative. Thiessen wrote this, One Loudoun County parent filed the public record request to find out what took place in these sessions and obtained a set of talking points used by the Equity Collaborative to train these Virginia teachers. They were encouraged not to, and this is a quote, profess color blindness, but rather to admit their own racist, sexist, heterosexist, or other detrimental attitudes, beliefs, behaviors, and feelings, and acknowledge that addressing one's whiteness, which is white privilege, is crucial for effective teaching. And he went on to report how the state superintendent of public instruction sent a memo to all school districts promoting critical race theory training materials. And it said this, CRT has proven an important analytic tool in the field of education, offering critical perspectives on race and the causes, consequences, and manifestations of race, racism, and equity in the dynamics of power and privilege in schooling. He concluded by calling the left's critical race theory denial intellectually dishonest and said Democrats are gaslighting American parents by telling them don't believe what you see with your own eyes. When you just think it can't get worse, you can't get more stupid, more imbecilic, it does all of those things. It gets worse and it gets crazier by the day. That's just the way it is, folks. That's just the way it is. But you know what? We're going to come through this okay couple of things left I want to I want to bring to you and uh, we're going to do it but we've got to do this last break but just ahead Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida he basically shook his fist in the face of both Attorney General Merrick Garland and Joe Biden huh what's that about that's next to TNN Live are you sure we should be out here it's pretty cloudy come on that'll pass really I don't know yeah, that's just swing I'm holding a swing. Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. We are the law. Accountant. The law accounting. I know what you're thinking. Are we lawyers? Are we accountants? Well, it's a complicated question, probably requiring the services of a lawyer and an accountant. Is that us? Well, what do you think? Seems to me that there's a lot of you out there who might need the use of the law accounting. But that's not legal advice. That's life advice. In fact, we're legally barred from providing legal advice. The law accounting. Officially unlicensed since 2005. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet. 
down. Oh, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Taking aim at the noise, the lies, and the disinformation of mainstream media. Your warrior of the facts. Here's Dan Newman. Who the heck can we believe, right? Well, I can tell you one place you can go. You're going to get news. You're going to get information. Take today as an example. You know, you, if you haven't already, you need to check out the lead story at truthnewsnet.org. Folks, we turn to a real medical expert for some real, very salient, and very important medical information. I'm not going to tell you any more than that. If you hadn't read the story, you need to. It'll answer tons of questions that you have about COVID-19 and vaccinations. It starts with what's in them. Novel idea, huh? Here we are, what? 11 months after they started jabbing us? What's in what they're jabbing us with? And what are the truths? What are the facts? A very lengthy, but very specific, including all kinds of references. That's a novel thing, too. Actual written story that makes points that every one of are backed up with reference materials. Don't miss it. Truthnewsnet.org. And it blasts the CDC in it. And it gives a lot of novel things like facts to back up everything. We do that every day. Now, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, he's a rising star in the Republican Party nationwide. There are a whole lot of people that expect he's going to make at some point a run for the White House. I think he might do just that. But what he's doing in the meantime, he's keeping his state safe. He's taken on the Biden administration for many of the egregious rollouts of these horrible philosophies and ideas that are coming out of the White House in the form of executive order or the new OSHA rule. But when it comes to illegal immigration, he also, he went to war with the Biden administration on a lot of fronts regarding illegal immigration. And guess what? We find out that a bunch of the illegals that come in the Biden administration, you remember the stories about putting them on airplanes, commercial jets that are chartered in the middle of the night and transporting them to points unknown around the United States? We find out a lot of those illegals have been going to Florida. So last night on Tucker Carlson on Fox News, Governor Ron DeSantis and Tucker weighed into this. So the Biden administration loses control completely. They get apoplectic and start... <laughs> hyperventilating if you suggest that really the point of their immigration policy is domestic politics, maybe kind of reshuffle the population a little bit so they win. They're not doing that. Well, now we learn, actually, the Biden administration is secretly resettling foreign nationals, illegal immigrants, all over the country with resettlement flights, most of them secret. Now, almost 80 of these flights recently have landed in the state of Florida. 
What happened next? Well, here's one thing. An illegal migrant from Honduras called Medina Uloa was on one of those flights. He is now accused of murdering a father of four in his own home. Ron DeSantis is the sitting governor of Florida. He joins us tonight. Governor, thanks so much for coming on. So just to, the news story suggests that the administration was sending planes into your state and offloading people secretly from foreign countries in violation of the law. Is that accurate? So these are flights that are coming in two or three in the morning. Uh, the feds, of course, control the airspace and they're there on the ground. Uh, they take these folks and then they send them in other parts of Florida by bus or other parts of the southeast. And that individual who was murdered was, in fact, murdered by an illegal alien who was on one of Biden's flights, these, these midnight flights, unannounced, no notice, no support for the state, no ability for us to veto it ahead of time. And if, if Biden had not been doing that, if he'd been doing his job, that individual would be alive today. I mean, I, I'm not a constitutional scholar. I know that you are an attorney, but are they allowed to do this? Can the, the White House just decide, you know, we don't, we don't like you. You may run for president. We're not, we don't like that. And so we're just going to flood your state with people from other countries and there's nothing you can do about it? So uh, we're looking at what we can do. I think that they use these private contractors. So what we're looking at is how can we fight back against the contractors? We can obviously deny them state contracts, which we will do. Uh, can we deny them access to Florida's market generally? Can we tax them? Can we do things to provide disincentives so they can't do it? Uh, so we're going to do whatever we can to do it. Unfortunately, uh, they do have the ability to get into these airports because the FAA controls it and the feds really have jurisdiction over it. So we're trying to work with the local airport authorities, see if there's a way uh, that we can get around that. But we are going to go after some of these contractors because they are bringing in people uh, that are causing burdens on us and, as we see tragically, uh, cause someone to lose their life. I bet you'll figure out a way. Governor Ron DeSantis of the state of Florida, appreciate your coming on tonight. Thank you. Thanks. We should be uh, surprised to hear that this kind of stuff is going on. But once again, folks, it's the Biden administration. They do whatever they want to. Forget about the American people. We're just out there. We're the only ones that, you know, all we're good for is paying the bills. That's a wrap. Thursday's over, folks, at TNN Live. Back tomorrow morning. You don't want to miss it. Let me tell you something you don't want to miss. Jennifer Ravane and her attorney, Shelley Maturin, will be on live with us tomorrow morning in our first hour. Who is she? Her 16-year-old son in New Orleans was forcibly vaccinated at school without her permission. She and her attorney are joining us in our first hour. You don't want to miss it, folks. We have fun here every day at TNN Live. It's always good to be working with you. Have a great one. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. <laughs>